Welcome to this week's episode of the Football Neophytes Podcast. It is this season's penultimate episode, and we are featuring the final of Kyle's four teams, Chelsea. We, of course, are going to talk about the Allison header. Liverpool is on the come up. City clinches, and we're going to review the championship matches from Monday. Gentlemen, what's up, guys? Not what's going on, Nate? You? you know, just living in renovation chaos. <laughs> I told you, fire that contractor, man. Dude, renovating your own home is no joke. Emily pulled a brilliant move tonight. She's like, yeah, just, just, make, just make the normal dinner you make on Monday nights because she works Monday nights. So I did it, and it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. Like in this rent, our kitchen's destroyed. I'm like going from room to room, grabbing different things. It was horrible. So I, I texted her and I was like, did you do that on purpose so that I could just tell you like we're eating out or grilling for the next like week until this, this kitchen's done. I'm like, that's pro pro level wife maneuvers. So we'll be eating, eating a lot of takeout and uh, I'll be grilling a, a lot for the rest of this week, I think. Guys, we're featuring Chelsea, and we have last-minute call to the bullpen, Jackson Avery representing the East Bay, um, Bay Area, and we are stoked to have you. He is, more importantly, for our episode's purposes, representing Chelsea Football Club. Jackson, welcome. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're, we're thankful for you hopping on kind of last minute. Um, I had a whole kind of monologue about how, like, just like you would expect, all Chelsea fans kept dropping off and bailing on us. So it's like kind of what you expect of Chelsea fans to be kind of flaky and and plastic. So, so. was it soul crushing when a Chelsea fan actually followed through for you? Was it just like, <laughs> did it just take this whole facade down that you thought no, but Chelsea I was- fans? But I was prepared for it. I was definitely prepared for my monologue. But no, we're no, we're really grateful uh, for you stepping in. This is awesome. You're representing the fourth team of Kyle's final four that he's going to choose. Um, and so, Kyle, take it away, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for being here. Happy to talk with you. Um, you know, we've learned a lot just talking with the other guests of the other clubs that are still in contention here, but I'm really excited about this one. Um, Chelsea, you know, from the very beginning of the season, I kind of figured they'd be in this spot in contention as long as Captain America, Christian Pulisic, was still on the, the squad, and he still is as of now. So um, that's exciting for me. I'm, I'm definitely curious to hear your thoughts on him how he's been a fit, his future with the club. But maybe let's start with this. How did you first become a Chelsea supporter? What drew you to the club? Um, and what do you really love about it to this point? So what's interesting is I'm 20. So I'm 23 years old. I was born in 1997. And so uh, the Young 2011. Buck, Young yeah, Buck. Yeah. Uh, no, trust right. me, the beard ages me. Um, <laughs> so my the 2011-2012 season was my freshman year of high school 
And I had, I played like bunch ball, you know, little kid soccer, but I never like, I kind of, you know, I, I was a swimmer for most of my life. So I was never like a big soccer fan. And for whatever reason, like, I actually couldn't tell you, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, I just started watching the premier league. I think other kids in, in, in freshman year were like watching it. So yeah. I was like, I'll get into this. And I was watching the first game, which happened to be a Chelsea game. It wasn't like I turned it on and I had this like, deep nostalgic memory of when I was like six or seven years old. And again, randomly, there was just a Chelsea game on. And I remember thinking as like a young, young kid, like that's the coolest logo I've ever seen in my life. Cause I'm like, we talked in, we talked before the show started, like I'm a, you know, San Francisco giants fan of 49ers. And those are the lamest logos you could find. It's just an SF. And so like, to me in that yeah. young kid mind, I'm like, you got a lion on there. It's got like, it's just like, it's so cool. And so I remember watching that first Premier League game that just happened to be a Chelsea game being like, whoa, like I remember that logo. Like yep. that, like, okay, like I'll just, you know, cool. I'll and they ended up winning that game, which was even better. And then that year was, they weren't like, they were okay, but they weren't great. And they ended up going to the Champions League final and winning that year for mm. like for the first time in their history. And it was just one of those things where it literally was called the team of destiny. Like it, we could not not win the Champions League because we just couldn't help ourselves. Um, yeah. And we had just beaten, you know, we beat Napoli, we beat uh, Benfica, I think. Like, it was like, it was all of these, like, teams I had never heard of, but were just so massive. And then when we beat Barcelona with the Fernando Torres, I was like, I literally can't stop watching this. This is unbelievable. And so I just got kind of good luck tied with this like weird nostalgic memory and ever since then I, I I've never been able to stop watching and then Ian Hazard comes to the club and and you know I, after that I was like okay yeah no this is the sport this is the one that I'm falling in love with was Didier Drogba yeah. on that team oh yeah oh yeah he was the 88th minute goal in the Champions League final are you kidding me yeah absolutely Didier Drogba was on that team that's incredible the man. man they were the they were the team of destiny and it was a destiny that you would you'd be a supporter it sounds like yeah and it felt like that it felt like I was like oh my god like I've got this weird like mojo which in years to come I'm like yeah no that definitely is not how it works because like <laughs> we I remember getting like 10th one season I'm like yeah no that's not how it happens <laughs> <laughs> that's funny hey well so what what have you come to really love and appreciate about the club in general what are some what are some of the highlights I mean uh you it's funny you mentioned the logo and yeah. you didn't you didn't mention the kits, but I'll mention them. I mean, that those were some of the, uh, you know, you take aside kind of the some of the success they've had, some of the players on the squad that are attractive. Um, and you're right, man. The logo, the crest is really cool. Um, the blue kits are top notch. I mean, those things. I, I agree, man. They pop off a TV screen. What else? Yeah. Kind of. Do you, what, what are some of the other selling points for me here? So I think one of the things that is underappreciated, especially for American fans, because we can't really go to them. And I've never been, I, I've never been to a Chelsea game. I, I mean, it's literally one of my life streams to go. Um, but when you watch a Chelsea home game, Stanford bridge is one of the smallest premier league stadiums of the teams that are perennially in, yeah. the, in the premier league. Right. They're one of the smallest stadiums. And actually, if you if you go to Stamford Bridge and, and I've lucky I've been lucky enough to get a tour, it's even it feels even smaller. It's a 40,000 person stadium that feels like it only fits 20,000. And so when you actually watch the game themselves and with full fans in the stands, which can't wait to get that back to that, yeah. 
it is like you literally like you can see the people like crawling over each other in the most uncovid thing I've ever seen. And it is. And so whenever a goal goes in or anything like that, it just you can feel that through the TV. Um, and, and I did hear, I did hear on the podcast episode from yeah. October of last year, the, the, the mention of the plastics, which was, which was, it, it certainly is a problem in the Chelsea fan base. I'm not going to lie, but, um, the fans that go, the fans that actually are like there and actually care about it, um, are some of the most annoyingly passionate people you will meet. Um, I've been lucky enough to meet a few of them and they are just, I mean, they're truly some of the best people. So um, I think it's a really welcoming environment for a lot of people, not everyone. Um, but, but yeah, that that's the thing that stands out to me. That's awesome. I like how you just casually mentioned like, oh, of the teams that are traditionally in the Premier League, like yeah. of those teams that matter. That not, no, I, I'm, I'm not even meaning like the big six. I'm just meaning like the teams that actually yeah. have the gall to stay up. No, um, I, I would yeah. expect nothing less from a, from Chelsea, oh, man. If I, if I pick them, I'm like, hey, you know, we matter. Not Gotta everyone be else does. About it. That's right. Gotta be That's right. About it. Um, how? Wh- what's your take on this year moving forward? You excited? What's? How's the ownership group looking? The the manager? What What's the situation like going forward? Well, I'll start with the ownership group because Roman Abramovich is like his own. I mean, so the way that Chelsea, so the way that Chelsea works is Roman Abramovich is the owner, but he doesn't actually run the day-to-day operations of the club. It's a woman named Marina Granovskaya who's been there for, for forever. And she makes all of the kind of final decisions. She negotiates contracts, all that kind of stuff. But Roman Abramovich is like, he, he reminds me actually of the Leicester city owner in terms of the fact that he is like a legitimate fan of Chelsea. Like that's why he bought Chelsea. It was not like a John Henry Glazer esque, you know, I know Man United is in your top four. So let me tell you, like, this is not like a, we just got into this to make money type of thing. He consistently pours money into the team. Um, not because, like, again, not for like his own purposes. It's just that he's a big Chelsea fan and he wants to see us yeah. succeed and he demands us succeed. Um, his other like political, I'm a social studies teacher. I know all about Roman Abramovich and where he got <laughs> his money from. And let me tell you something. If you think that there's not a conflict there, you're crazy because there definitely <laughs> is. But the cognitive dissonance is real. Um, but in terms of like him as a Chelsea owner, like honestly, yeah. I don't think you could really find a more dedicated owner in the Premier League than him. I'm sure you could look, but and, and there could be an argument there. But he's he's pretty great when it comes to the ownership of the team. Um in terms of the actual squad this year, it's like, it's funny because had we not made the Champions League final, had we not made the FA Cup final, it would have been a bit of a disappointment, to be honest. Mm. Um, and it, the way the, it's been rocky, and I will say for me specifically, it's been really frustrating. And if you're a Chelsea fan, one of the things you have to really get used to is that the managers are not permanent, that the mm. managers are the first people to go if there are yeah. problems and that you just have to be okay with that. And what's been funny is over the last few years, it feel it, it, it has felt more revolving door-esque in terms of like, we don't actually have a lot at, you know, like we don't have a connection to the manager. The last yeah. guy that we had a connection to was Antonio Conte. And the last year was ugly, like really, really ugly. And, and, and it was just like the football was terrible. And it was just, there's a lot of rumors around the club. Sorry came in. He clearly didn't care. He was kind of a cover-up guy. And then, and then with the transfer ban, you literally can't bring anyone else in. So you have to pick someone, you have to either pick someone who's not at the level that you need or 
I, I actually don't think there's another option. I think that you literally have to <laughs> only choose somebody who who is desperate for a Premier League job. And so this year was tough because I wanted Frank Lampard to succeed. I got him on the back of my jersey. Like hey. he is literally my he's my favorite Chelsea player, and he will never not be like the most legendary player at that club. Huh. Um, but he just it wasn't he wasn't ready. Like he just wasn't, yeah. and you could see it. You could see the way he managed the club. You could see the way players reacted to him. You could see the way they came out on the pit. It just was, he just was not ready for it. And so it was a, it was a conflicted first half because you see all these new kids come in. You're they're still struggling with COVID. They don't have a real preseason and you want to give them every excuse to be like, you know what, next year we'll turn this around next year with a full, like we will get this, like it'll be done. And you just knew it, that wasn't true. You just knew it. Yeah. And so when they fired him, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like your dad leaving you and your stepdad coming home, like going over me, like, Hey, like you want to drink a beer with me? We were like, well, I'm sad that he's gone, but this guy seems really cool. And that's what Thomas Tuchel was. Cause he comes in and he just, I mean, it, it, it's been phenomenal football. It's just dominant, phenomenal football. And mm. just can't stop. We, we, until recently, um, just can't stop to see, even if we're not winning, we're like, we are dominating the game. Mm. Um, so it's been, it's been a weird season. Um, I'm excited for the future. I'm excited to see what happens when Timo Werner and Kai Havertz and all of them get like a full regular season where Kai Havertz doesn't get, uh, doesn't get COVID in the middle of the season. And Timo Werner actually like looks at the goal before he hits the ball. I mean, like those kinds of things I'm really looking forward to. So the, the future is bright for sure. Yeah, for sure. These guys uh, know I, I picked Chelsea to win this year, actually in our, yeah. in our pre, in our pre predictions. Yeah. And so I'm high on Chelsea and I, I keep calling them the 2020 champions. So when they played that, when they are 2022 champions. So when they played man city the other day, I said, Oh, it's the 2021 champs versus the 2022 champs. So these guys know I'm, excited. I'm really high on, I'm really high on Chelsea and especially with Tuchel, whatever he's done and he fixed, like really fixed the, the defense and I yeah. don't know, I'm high on them. I think they've got a lot of potential. Chris hates that. Yeah. There's a lot of potential here. And, and I think that with him, he just, he does get to, he does tend to get on people's nerves. Um, for the 49er fans in the room, he was, he's a little bit like John Harbaugh where it's like one year is fine. Two years is a little much three mm. years. You want to kick him out of the game. Yeah. You want to kick him out. And that's what happened to PSG. So I'm like curious to see what happens. Uh, we know, we know Jimmy, Jimmy boy pretty well. Um, Jim Harbaugh, not John Harbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I noticed you didn't – you left out a name there when you're running through guys that you're excited about on the squad. So let's talk about – yeah, let's talk about Christian. Yeah. Um, you think he's with the squad in the future? What is What does that look like? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I don't see him going anywhere. Um, I think he has been – he has had a combination of being increasingly unlucky – um, in terms of he just can't stay healthy. And then when he is healthy, he, he, like, you can see it in his eyes. He wants, he wants it so bad and he wants it. And what he has been clear is that he wants it here. Um, that frustration, I, the ESPN FC, I, I mean, I, if for any of the American fans, listen, don't do not pay attention to ESPN FC. It is the worst <laughs> outlet for any kind of soccer news you could ever find. Um, 
it, they keep talking about how he's frustrated. That wasn't actually the context of what he was saying. He was more just, he's frustrated internally as well because he can't get on the pitch to play a full 90 a lot of times. And when he does, it's like, he's kind of limping all over the place and stuff like that. <laughs> but man, on his day, on his day, yeah. he is phenomenal. And I think what Tugel has been trying to do is bring him off the bench more because he just has that impact where if you have Timo Werner, running at a defense for 90 minutes you bring christian pulisic on you know 60 minutes into that game i mean he, there's literally nothing a defense can do to stop him and so i think that's what that's i think they're the not being able to play is different than what's actually happening and you actually see him quite a bit on the chelsea team um and I, it, it was it was funny because when he came i was like yeah this is all people are going to talk about when when like in terms of like the chelsea america sphere it's yeah this yeah. one guy, he's good. He, I mean, he's, he's really good, but he, he, there's competition for that spot. And so it, to me, I'm not necessarily like got to see him play in every day in it, in and out, because I mean, I'm a, I'm a Chelsea fan. And then I watched the United States national team just disgrace me every uh, summer and winter. It's, it's pretty brutal. Um, so, you know, he's, he is a really nice addition to the squad. He makes me kind of proud of the fact that somebody, from you know Hershey, Pennsylvania, was able to get there, but mm. I would hazard to say that you're like you. Why I wouldn't say follow Chelsea because he's on the team. Like I would not make that a selling point because he he is not going to be one of like he's not Mason Mount where it's like this guy is never leaving. He is right. never leaving this team. Right. He is a stalwart. Like Christian Pulisic, he could be gone in two years. Sure, uh, that's definitely up in the air. Um, or he could stay because if he's in Project Restart form for a whole season. I mean, he's the best player in the premier league, but you know, he's never been able to do that. So. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right, man. Last question for me. Uh, first, Nate, Chris, you guys got anything else? Um, you want, you want me to jump in now or do you want me to wait till you ask your last question? Well, go ahead. You go. All right. I just have two, two, uh, two clarifying sure. questions. One, the logo. It is just so that I know for sure. It is a lion pole dancing, right? <laughs> and why is that not more attractive to you if it was a lion pole dancing? I'm just curious. Well, I, fair, like, would that be, no, that, I feel like that's almost better. For sure. You know? I, I love lions, actually. They're my favorite animal. I love lions. It's Andy just, loves pole dancing. So you I, combine I, the two. You know, my, and it's like favorite hobby, favorite jungle animal. And like, yeah, unfortunately, you know, Nate was telling you the rules that got applied to me in season one and he had already gone by Chelsea. So I never even had a chance at choosing them. Mm. Um, so that's that. And then my, my other more serious question, uh, Timo Warner, a, a ton of press, a ton of hubbub about him coming in and massive contract signing. And he's been a complete disappointment from my perspective as an outsider who doesn't watch the club all the time. Now I know a lot of it is there's a lot of bad luck involved. Um, but my God, could you score some goals for your club for crying out loud? That was one of the questions on the, on the thing that I've been, I've been uh, trying to kind of circumnavigate is, as <laughs> the, is the goal scoring. Um, definitely. You, you definitely looking for it. You talked that's about looking for a striker in the charging at the defense all the time because that's all he can do. He can't score. He yeah. can just run. So I think, and it's funny too, because one of the great criticisms that I see from non-Chelsea fans is why does he keep playing if he can't score? And I think that that you're losing 
uh, you're, you're losing for the forest for the trees in terms of his absolutely abhorrent. I think he has 12 expected goals and he has six actual goals. Like it's really bad in terms of underperformance, but he is so unbelievably um, generous in terms of the way that he plays. I mean, literally he does not stop running for 90 minutes. He runs at the defense, even when he's offside, which is so frustrating, but the reason why he's offside is because he's trying to stretch that back line as much as possible. And you just see regard win, lose, draw, it doesn't matter. The the center backs on the other team are literally like on the ground at the end of every game against Chelsea, because he stretches that line so much. He, he sets people up really, really well. His assist number, he's the, he's the top goal and assist contri- contributor on our team, um, even in a do- dis- disappointing season. So it's not like he hasn't done anything. The goal scoring, trust me, no one is more frustrated than Chelsea fans. And I think part of the thing that breaks my heart is the fact that, well, there's two things. One, you just see it in his eyes. This is not like a, like, this is somebody who literally is going through the worst period of his professional life and you just see it. And there, it's like quicksand. You, the, the harder you struggle, the harder it is to get out. And you can, you, it's like watching it happen. And all you want him to do is score a goal for him, not for me. I don't care. Like we could lose five to one. And if Timo scores, I'm honestly kind of happy because good for him. Right. Um, but two, we, Fernando Torres came in and was this like literally carbon copy of Timo Werner. And it was the same thing. And Fernando Torres was one of these deeply underappreciated players who did so much for the club, but because he couldn't replicate his form from Liverpool, it was like, he was always seen as this kind of like washed out player when in reality he would, I mean, he was part of some of the most legendary moments of the club. He was actually a really good player. He just, he didn't do what we thought he was going to do. So I think there's the jury's still out. I want to see a full season, full preseason. I want to get him back on the team. Um, he's not a start, standalone striker that he'll never be that he wasn't that at Red, Red Bull Leipzig. So I don't think the expectation could be that he is that, but yeah, I just want him to play better, man. I just want it for him. I just, I want his life to be okay, you know? <laughs> well, and like, I, I, I don't know about the other guys, but for me, he seems like such a likable person, right? And like, I know- Apparently he's hilarious. Apparently he's like one of the nicest human beings you could yeah. find. Like, this is the problem. It's like, if he was an asshole, like I would feel like, if he was Diego Costa going through this, I'd be like, you know what? Yeah, no, you know what? Like, Honestly, I don't really care. I didn't like Diego Costa when he played for Chelsea and like that's saying something. Yeah, um, but he's not. He's like this really nice, affable guy. Just yeah, he seems like that on the pitch. And like for me, I love watching players and their attitudes and how they interact with yeah. teammates and stuff. And he seems like a great guy. Like he, for me, Kyle Walker is like the, my least favorite player out there in the league. He just, just seems like such a jackass all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Timo seems like the complete opposite of that. And so, you know, I do root for him. I do hope he, he pulls through for you guys. Uh, you know, pray for him. Come on, Timo. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Last question. Yeah. Will you be my friend if I choose Chelsea? Because I think Nate and Chris might disown me. No, dude, I disown you if you choose United. The other (laughs) three are fair game. That's why, because he didn't disown me when I chose United, when he ranked them 20th on his list. <laughs> Manchester United is a bad pick. I can't, I can't lie to you. That's, a, okay. I mean, again, I'm not saying that I am this, like this, you know, absolute, you know, picture of, you know, the model of like choosing a club that's down on its luck because you just love them so much. Um, 
but Man United is a rough one. Yeah. Chris, uh, to be to defend Chris, he had a fair reason for why he chose them. He's chose he's followed all of his professional like sporting teams have sucked for most of his life. So he just wanted to choose someone who would be competitive every year. Which why did you choose this? Hang, hang Two on, years ago. Me... In the Jose, the Jose years. I, I got in right as Jose got out. Yeah. But that's let true. me let me just defend one thing. That was the main reason why I chose them. I will say this: since I chose them, they have become such a more likable team on the pitch than they maybe have. In, in quite some time. This is a very yeah. likable Manchester United team from a player perspective. Yeah. The ownership is a whole different story. And that's something that you just, I just have to deal with. And well, really, I don't have to deal with it. The United, you know, UK fans <laughs> really deal with that. Um, yeah. But from the young guys they brought up, from bringing in Bruno, Pogba is a different Pogba now. Like it's a likable team finally. Can I tell you that we have to listen to this every week, by the way, Jackson? No, I was gonna say yes, like we have to listen to Chris talk about how likable they are. Because you shit on them every week, and I have to defend them. (laughs) The the common theme of this podcast is going back to Chris and saying, Why did you choose Man U again? I I will say, when you say Kyle Walker seems like a jackass, and you're defending Bruno Fernandez, the most petulant Premier League player I've ever seen. Literally, like I've never seen that man happy. On a on a on a like uh, forget the whole like nice. penalty versus actual goal thing, which I think is hilarious. Right. Because but like literally, I've never seen someone more unhappy to be playing a sport professionally than Bruno Fernandez playing yeah. because all he does is just like yelling at his own teammates, yelling at the ref. I'm like, do you ever like go home and just like be like, You're wow, wrong. I can't believe this is my life that I'm playing That's soccer professionally? Petulant Chelsea fan whining oh about Bruno is so so wild. good. Marcus Rashford is saint, though. He's, I mean, Marcus, you can't hate him. You can't Greenwood, hate him. Greenwood is awesome. Greenwood's, yeah, I wish like, I had him on my team. Yeah. You, you know who I, if you would have said Harry Maguire, I would have agreed with you 100%. When he, when he kicked Mishy Batchwai in the balls. Yeah. No, I, I, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. No, yeah I would, I had no defense for Harry Maguire, but Bruno's, Bruno's amazing. I can't believe anybody would speak poorly about my Bruno. Oh, my God. Oh, man. All right. I think before this turns into a, a, big, <laughs> a big six bitch fest, um, we're going to move on and I'm going to pray that Kyle chooses Leeds or Everton. So I don't know, man. He just brought on like one of the most nicest, most, I know. You know, energetic down to earth. Can Chelsea I, can I put a find. period on my pitch, by the way? Yes. Yeah, Give us your final no pitch. Team in the Premier League that has N'Golo Conte on their team. And you want to talk about a lovable Premier League player? They're literally all I all I want in my life. I could never watch another Chelsea game if I could have dinner with N'Golo Conte for one night. <laughs> like, genuine, like, he just seen, like, there was, a, there was a story about one time where he just ended up, like, because he's so nice, ended up at, like, a fan's apartment playing FIFA with them because he just kept saying yes. And like, he just was just, he's just one of those people who, you know, he wants to get, he drives a mini Cooper. He has a Nokia phone. Like you just want to be his friend. So he's like the Um, Bill Murray of the premier league. Literally. And so, you know, there is no other team that has anyone even close to him. So pretty awesome. That's great. Well, Jackson, again, thanks so much for coming on Uh, a really solid pitch. Um, and this is what this is what's so great about this experiment for us is we get to meet cool people. We get to really like hear all the reasons there's teams are great. And I think for for me, 
And I think I can speak for the other guys as well. It actually causes us to love the premier league at a deeper level because we're not just picking a random team and then following them, but we've actually like watched seasons and heard from different fans and heard of all the reasons there are to like, there are to like teams. So even I choosing Manchester United as my 20th team of 20 still can find some things to appreciate about them. So uh, we appreciate you coming on Jackson. No, I appreciate it. This was fun. Um, and I always love having an honest conversation about football with, with American fans. It's been, it's a, it's a, it's a cold, it's a cold world out here in terms of people being like, what is your team name again? So I appreciate you guys having these kinds of talks because we need more of that. Yeah. Great job, Jackson. You were fantastic, my friend. Always happy to be, uh, always happy to be of use. Thanks, man. Yeah. All right, Kyle, you've heard now from all four, all four of your final clubs. Um, thoughts from, the, from this Chelsea interview? Well, like I said, you know, at the very end there, I really appreciate you bringing on probably the most likable Chelsea fan in the entire world. Um, <laughs> that, that definitely was a feather in their cap. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, I, I just got a lot to think about. I'm, I really appreciate all these interviews. This week was an interesting week. We talked about this in text. Leeds was the only team that really, you know, because I'm sure they're all tuning in this podcast and know what's going on. For and sure. Leeds was the only team that really, uh, you know, wanted to perform this week for me. In fact, I think they're the only team amongst these four that even won a match this yeah. week, which is pretty intense. So their arrows definitely pointing up and you know, the others got to get, got to get going here in the last week of the season. But what keeps hitting me is we literally have a week left and we'll be together next week. And I got to pick a team and it's going to be intense. So I got a lot to think about. Yeah. Starting tomorrow, we have four matches tomorrow. We have six on Wednesday and then a full slate on Sunday. So any, any opportunity you have really to focus on a team is tomorrow and Wednesday, because we're going to be watching like four or five, four games at a time. And that's going to be hard. So really you're going to have to figure out a way to watch while working this week, Leeds Southampton or both. And actually tomorrow United and Leeds play at the same time at 11. So you can't even really focus on them. Chelsea's at 12.15 tomorrow. This is all my time. So actually, whatever, one one in the afternoon for you, then a little later in the afternoon for Chelsea, and then Everton, Wolves actually on Wednesday. So It's going to be tough, and I can honestly say at this moment, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Um, I, I think we because the clubs – or there's kind of the two groups of the clubs, the smaller – kind of less uh, heralded clubs with Leeds and Everton. And then obviously the big ones with Chelsea and Man U and it batting around in my head are the different reasons to pick one of the clubs from either of those groups. And as much as crap as we give Chris for picking Man U for the reasons he did, 
that really is, I mean, like the assurity that your team is going to be in the Premier League competing for championships, that's a valid reason. And then so is obviously more of that underdog story rooting for a club um, that you hope can be a great story, take it to the next level. That's compelling too. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, definitely choosing, I think you do have four, you have four solid grades, right? (laughs) You have four solid clubs that even, even leads though. They're newer to the, they're new to the premier league. They, they have history behind them yeah. and Everton sure. has been such a mainstay in the premier league. So I think the Leeds choice obviously is maybe the riskiest as far as like staying up in the premier league, but, but they really seem to have a good, have a good backbone, but it is a risk. I choosing wolves. I don't know if I realized what a risk it was. They'd mm. finished seventh. I didn't have a really good understanding but this year, seeing like how if you in the if you're not one of the major clubs spending hundreds of millions of dollars in transfer windows, you're really like two years of bad decisions away and bad luck away from being relegated. Like Wolves have a whole bunch of injuries. They've been just ravaged with injuries. And yeah. if they have like another bad transfer window and another bad year of injuries. I wouldn't be surprised if they're fighting relegation again. Right. So um, again, but fighting relegation next year. So. So when is the last time Wolves was in the championship in 17, uh, 17, 18. So they were newly promoted when I chose them. So it's, they're the equivalent of your leads. Like, yeah. And And it's, it's hard for me to even fathom. And again, I'm, I'm a neophyte here, but it's just hard for me to even fathom a team like wolves. That's kind of uh, solidly middle of the pack right now. And, and has a lot of good strategy. It seems like behind them and good support behind them. It, it seems like unfathomable that even a team like that would drop, but obviously history tells us otherwise. So yeah, you're right with a team like Leeds, I got to be a little bit careful or yeah. Here's what I do wonder though is, is and this is not a slide at wolves by any means, Nate. Um, I do wonder if our relationship with you affects our view on wolves. Like our caring for you wants uh, wants me. I can't speak for Kyle, but it wants me to see the wolves succeed. It, it wants me to see them be in the top. It wants me to keep them in the Premier League. But it, if we didn't have that relationship, or if you had picked a different team, I wonder if. Wolves are just another Burnley to me. If they're just another Newcastle, they're just another Crystal Palace to me. I don't, I don't know how to answer that because I don't have any other foundation other than they've essentially been your team since we started this thing. All you know, granted, as we went through the process, uh, it's just it's it's really interesting though because I think of them in a better light than what they're playing this season. Totally, and obviously this season has been awful for for Wolves. You know. but I, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about that as we were talking about it. What I think that there's a couple things. I listened to a couple football podcasts and it seems like non wolves fans have a little soft spot for wolves. I think there is something likable about them. I don't, I mean, they have likable player players. They have an interesting 
coach. They have a, a great storied history. So it does seem like they are a likable club across the board. The other thing I keep thinking about is for all of the challenges they've had this year, for all of the, the ups and downs, I have to, I keep reminding myself, they're still 12th. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways, like when I like reflect back on the season, I, I feel like I can't remember them ever playing well. It feels like the entire season they've played horribly. And so when I think about that and the fact that they're still 12th in a season when I felt like was complete shambles is kind of amazing. So, well, let's move on uh, to talk about this week. It was really a big, a big week in the premier league with some uh, exciting stuff in English, English football. Um, We have to start just like probably every other podcast in the world talking about, uh, that header by Allison. Um, I didn't see it live, which is, uh, it's like heartbreaking. I was at church and I was not rooting for the baggies to win, but I definitely love parody. So I was, I was rooting for the draw. So when it was, when baggies went up one nil, I was kind of checking on my phone. A couple of my friends from church are Liverpool fans. So we were talking, it was one, one, one at halftime. We were talking after church and, it felt like oh one one match at halftime is great position for Liverpool, and we we're driving home and it's like still one one, ninetieth plus five minutes and my and Titus asked me if he could hold my phone and kind of just watch the watch the like stats roll through and all of a sudden he goes Liverpool one two one, Allison scored he's like Allison scored. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get home and watch this. So what did you guys make of that, that goal? It was awesome. I mean, there's, there's no way around that 94th minute or whatever it was. Uh, nice cross in from the corner and just a beautiful flick into the, the deep corner of the goal. Like it was awesome that I, you know, you can, I think that the nicest part for us, because we probably feel a little bit differently about other sports is like we can enjoy those moments as just an awesome sporting feat, right? Like, I don't know. I don't feel too tied into the outcome of matches that don't involve United at this point. And so to see that, I just go like, damn, that was awesome. And Allison's had a really hard year. I think he lost his father at some point. Like there's been a lot of number of things that have kind of not gone his way this year. And so for a guy like that to get a moment like that is really special as well. Yeah. And I mean, a massive, massive goal in the standings. I mean, it sets up the this week because we could be talking about Chelsea winning the Champions League and not being in it next year. I think that's what sets it apart, well, right? No, if you it's win it, I think you get in automatically. Okay. I think it's the same. It's like Europa. So if they win, they're in. But but I get your point, right, that they could win it and finish out of the top four. I was just going to say, I think that's what sets that particular goal apart from other feats that are like that, where it's a cool story. It's something that you don't see very often. This mattered a ton. And so it wasn't just, Hey, let's get our, let's get Allison a goal. It'll be kind of cool. It'll make sports center or whatever the soccer, the, the cool soccer equivalent of sports center is. Um, but, but no, this actually mattered and it was really important. And so for it to be an impactful goal, let alone, something that was pretty cool. Um, I think made it even, even better. 
yeah, if Rui Patricio scores it, we're talking about it because it's a goalie scoring a header. Yeah. But Wolves are still in 12th place, right? Like there's yeah. no effect on like, and for, and for a team like Liverpool that has won the cha- or won the league last year has really struggled this season with injuries and then also just underperformance and really on the outside looking in now in some ways have the clearest path forward with, with some pretty like with favorable matchups coming up for them this week. Right. Yeah. Cause they have Burnley and crystal palace, which is probably the two easier matchups out of the matchups Chelsea has and the matchups that even Leicester city have. Well, Leicester plays Chelsea tomorrow. Like, oh, that's right. Yeah, if, that's right. And if they draw, you may as well welcome Liverpool into the top four. If they draw. That's right. Um, and a draw is much more damaging to Chelsea tomorrow than to Leicester. And so, yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting because they just played in the FA Cup final and Leicester won that match 1-0. Uh, Which we have to talk. That Telemans goal was such a strike. Just, <laughs> I mean, a rocket, beautiful, beautiful goal. So exciting for Leicester City to get their first FA Cup title. And I think it gives a little bit of hope for for those of us who maybe don't regard the FA cup that highly. I know we've talked about that a little bit here. What's the value of Carabao? What's the value of FA? Um, Especially when we've seen primarily just the big six win it over the last few years. So I think for Lester to win it is just, it's, it's remarkable. And it, it gives hope to at least me as a Wolves fan that we could go on a run and play great in the right times and you know potentially get a massive trophy like that yeah well it gives you the permission to to really care and celebrate that if and when that does happen for wolves right seeing the those hardcore lester fans get so excited about it that that was cool because we have talked about it a couple of times and it was like oh this is something that you can get excited about and to have and to have fans in the stadium. I mean, just everything yeah. coming about at the right time. Right. And I think Kyle, this is great for you. These next, uh, f- this next week ahead, every, every team gets fans in the stadium for at least one match, I think. And so, huh. um, you will get to see some supporters in the stands starting tomorrow. And so this is United's last, uh, last home game, right? Tomorrow, Chris. Yes. Because they play at Wolves at Molyneux on Sunday. Yeah. So they've got Fulham tomorrow, which they need three points to guarantee them second place. Again, they're guaranteed top four already. So I don't know who they're going to run out there. Uh, their big match is the 26th, a week from uh, Wednesday, is it? Yeah. Something? I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, their, their next match they actually care about is not until the Europa final on the 26th. So, uh, who knows who they're going to run out there against Fulham. Uh, I did find it hilarious this week when they announced their starting 11 for the Leicester game, and it was 10 substitutes and a part-time starter. And then the Liverpool game was mostly the starters. So it was funny because, you I mean, they're essentially handing Leicester three points, even though it was a close match, you know, tied at half 1-1, and they just 
you know, those subs didn't have the gas to finish the game. Um, but then I did see, I did see some a Liverpool supporter tweet out. He said, so this is supposed to be man Manchester United's best squad in recent years. And this is one of Liverpool's worst squads in recent years. And they rested their starters for this match and we still beat them. So, uh, well, I mean, the back line for United wasn't their starter. Harry, Harry Maguire's injured. Well, he got injured, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and Lindelof got exposed trying to move over to play Harry's spot and then Baye slid into, it was just, it was terrible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, again, they don't have anything to play for right now. They're totally. the only game that matters to them is the 26. And so I don't think they sure they wanted to win that, but I don't know. They weren't giving max effort. They didn't look like the United club from three weeks ago that was still playing for a spot. But that's still a huge like Derby match or rivalry match. So I think they were, yeah. they should have been up for it in my and opinion. Ole came out today. He's, he's not necessarily telling the fans to stop the protesting, but he's, he's talking about how it's affecting the players at this point. And so to figure out how to, you know, maybe protest better. I don't know if that's a way to put, I don't know. Um, yeah, whatever. Well I'm, well, I'm hoping United rolls out kind of a weak squad and Wolves can get a, a season ending victory as they rest up for the uh, uh, Europa finals, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, like uh, maybe, maybe Nate, you know, better, but, I mean, do you care where you finish in the top four? I mean, you're not getting one. So do you care two, three, or four? Does that, does it matter? Does that affect your draw in the champions league? No, I think it just, uh, I don't know if it affects your draw. I think it just is financial. I think you get more money. So the higher positions well, you finish. Well then for you, you need United to win tomorrow. Cause if they get the three points, they can't drop totally you low second. So if they go That's out and exactly what I want. Up, then on Sunday, you're probably going to see the 11 subs. Wolves' horrible loss to a horrible Spurs team was depressing <laughs> and just beautiful cap on the season. But we, there's my, my really only thing I'm rooting for is that we catch Villa. I, the loss hurt us, but we're four points behind Villa, so it's still theoretically uh, possible if we could win the last two matches but i don't think that's going to happen but that's that's the last thing we're, we're i guess wolves are are theoretically playing for but lost in all this is that last week city won the title uh they are premier league they clinched it premier league champions um one interesting stat i heard about that is they were the first team to be as low as eighth place on christmas day and win the title we know that i mean some of that's a little skewed because uh i think they had some games in hand at that point um yeah. there were some covid matches that or some matches that had been delayed and so it's not maybe totally a remarkable stat but it is still pretty impressive and we all knew like at the turn of the pretty much at the turn of the new year city became a different club and they clinched and I don't know, it's pretty boring to me, but it is what it is. I would even celebrate a United uh, premier league title next year, as long as city or Liverpool <laughs> doesn't win. I'm holding you to that. You can, I mean, celebrate like 
celebrates maybe a strong word. Nope, I would it. welcome it. I would welcome <laughs> it. I would, I would hug you. Oh man. Um, you know, when we talked about that awful Wolves loss, uh, we had a chance to talk about Spurs, which isn't exactly fun. Yeah. But with news rolling out, I think it was earlier today that Harry Kane has met with club ownership and has told him he's out. So- yeah, I'm seeing conflicting reports. I mean, that was definitely the official report. There's some other reports that have come out kind of contradicting that, but it's definitely interesting to see. Um I heard, I talked, I was talking to a longtime Manchester United fan today um, in the office. And he said that he heard that they want 150 million for Kane. Hey, how, sorry, let me ask another question. 150 million. That leads to this question. How old do you guys think Harry Kane is? That's great. Cause I don't know for sure, but I think if I had to guess, he's like 32. Kyle, do you have any idea? No idea. He's 27. He is theoretically in the prime of his career, but he is so he's so injury prone. He seems like a 32-year-old, Chris. I thought for sure he was 30. Uh when when my friend said he was 27, I just I couldn't believe it. So he is in the prime of his career, but it seems like he misses, you know, six six to 10 matches a year, which makes it even more remarkable that he's scoring goals at, I mean, he's tied for the, the golden boot race for this year with, with uh, Mo Salah. So um, Do you know how long his contract is in place for? I don't, but a player at that caliber, if they want to leave and, and a player who's given that much back to the club, like what he's done for that club yeah, they really would have no choice but to honor it, and so. Well, 150 um, million is probably out of the question. I don't think they're not going to get out to sack up that. I mean, even like the craziest of the crazy projections on Holland is it's 180 like, million. 100, yeah, I saw 130. I, I've seen it. I've seen a 180. Um, and you even look at that, and you're like. That's insane, but I would spend 180 on Holland over 150 on Kane. Well, what I mean, I would too because I like youth. But it is true that you don't totally know what Holland's been amazing, right? Yeah. And so, but will, could he transfer to the? Could he make the move to the Premier League and compete at that level? Is unknown. I think he can because he's so big and physical. Um, I think he. I think he can. Um, and all, I think he'd be worth it. All it takes is one bad start to the season to, to significantly lower that valuation though. Just ask Jaden Sancho how that, yeah. how, you know, I mean, um, ah, why am I blanking on, on where he plays Dortmund? Dortmund, um, yeah. You know, Dortmund's got to be kicking themselves by not accepting, you know, they held strong on Sancho in the off season and demanded I think they wanted like 140 million or something and United was up into the hundreds, but not meeting it. And, and now I think Dortmund's going to be lucky to get 80 for him. Yeah. It's a delicate balance, right? You could say the same about Traore for wolves, right? Like yeah. um, last year, whatever the valuation was on him was probably overpriced. I don't, I mean, I still, I'm glad wolves kept him, but 
but I think that's, that's the game is transferring these guys out at the, at the right time when you can get max value for them. Yeah. Uh, we have some, some championship updates. Uh, the first leg of the semifinals were today. Um, Swansea City and Bournemouth both took respective 1-0 victories in their matches to take the first legs of, of theirs. I did read something in a Twitter, and I didn't have time to actually verify it, um, so maybe one of our, our listeners will verify this, but I don't think there's an away goal uh, like kicker in, in the playoffs. So um, I think Swansea's victory was at Barn, was at Barnsley today. And so their one goal away doesn't matter. So, so we'll see. So those games I, I believe are on Saturday um, and that will determine who is in the finals for that third promotion spot. So um just hoping for anyone but Bournemouth. That's that's where I'm at right now. Just get us some fresh, fresh team up in the Premier League. I I feel like Kyle should be allowed to choose any of these three teams if he wants. I mean, maybe we need to have an emergency pod tomorrow night with a Norwich uh, fan. <laughs> that's a great idea. Like Kyle could watch the semifinal second leg on Saturday. We'll send him some Tamu Puki clips. I got some, so many spooky highlights I could send you. Some bad, some bad uh, Watford Watford clips. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly uh, your opinion on a team can change. Like, I was high on Watford early on during my season, and it it changed pretty quickly. Same, same. So glad it did. We're both very thankful we didn't Man. choose Watford. <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't really have a, our, our, we don't really have a term of the week, but I did want to explain something else that happened midweek. Uh, when the city, when the city sheet, um, like team sheets came out for their midweek match, there was a name on the sheet in their keeper position of the name of Scott Carson and mm. Twitter was blowing up. Stu, Stu DM'd me about it. Um, and people were just like, Scott Carson, what in the world? And I didn't know, I'd never heard of him, which, you know, I've only been watching premier league for three years. So it makes sense. But this was Scott Carson is city's third keeper. And apparently this was his first start in 10 years, his first appearance in 10 years. He's like old man river journeyman, um, which is pretty common to have kind of an old guard, like third hmm. keeper, maybe backup wolves, wolves, second keeper is kind of this type of guy, old guard, good clubhouse guy, kind of a leader. Um, and so he got the start and I'm like, why, why would they do that instead of playing Zach Steffen, right? Who's their second keeper. It seems like that you want to get him as much premier league reps as possible, but apparently you have to feature in a match to get like a medal to get like your like mm-hmm. official championship medal. And so often what you'll see um, is I, and apparently Liverpool did this at the end of last season too, where you just kind of throw some like squad players on because you want them to be included in the official like 
championship club and get official medals and stuff. So, so Scott Carson starts for city at keeper. That's why that, that game and that match ended uh, four, three, I think. <laughs> How long did he play for? I didn't see that match. I think he played the whole match. I actually didn't, didn't, okay. I didn't see much of it. I only saw the starting of the match, but um, rarely do keepers get subbed out. So. That's pretty interesting. Well, good for Scott. There, uh, there is a, uh, a little hair watch shout out. I wanted to give, um, if you watch the all or nothing on, on Spurs and even in the first season of watching premier league, um, one of Spurs like primary guys is a guy named Deli Alley. And when, when Jose went there, he basically just disappeared. He disappeared from the team sheet. Uh, he barely was playing at all. And I feel like I haven't seen him in a few years. I haven't paid much, a ton of attention to, uh, to Spurs recently. Um, but obviously watching the match on Sunday, I, I saw him and he looked way different than he did a couple of years ago. He was doing his damnedest to look like Jack Sparrow. I don't know. I don't know if you guys saw it, but yeah, he, he had these dreads that were fine and it wasn't like the dreads alone. I never would have thought about it. Right. But he also has like a little like mustache and then he was wearing a headband and the headband like kicked it over the top. If it would have been red, if you didn't wear a red headband, forget about it. But, um, he definitely has skull on it. Yeah. With the skull. Well, what's Uh, funny is we definitely talked about him in hair watch in season one because I compared him to DJ Polly D back then. Oh, that's he, right. He was going with the big old blowout DJ Pauly D look. That's right. Well, now he's going with the Jack Sparrow look. <laughs> that's amazing. He literally does look like DJ Pauly as well in those pictures. I'm looking. <laughs> Nate's got it. Nate's got it absolutely right about the Jack Sparrow. This is incredible. We need to figure out what his next look should be. Like what? What? you know, early 2000s pop icon should he be next? He should go with uh, Timberlake from NSYNC days, like short, curly, bleached. Nice. Denim on denim. (laughs) (laughs) We're probably not too far. We're probably not too many seasons removed from a denim, like throat, like a kit that looks like denim. We're probably like 10 years away from that look being back anyways. So, you know, we'll get it. We'll get it. Well, Luke Bryan had it on the other day on American Idol. So maybe it is coming back. Oh, or man. maybe not. If Luke Bryan's around. You know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. There have been a number of kit, kit releases um, recently. Obviously, Chelsea wore their third kit uh, or their new home kit in the FA Cup final. And Chelsea women, which I wish we would have asked um, about during our interview because Chelsea women lost in the champions league to Barcelona um, and Barcelona spanked him, but Barcelona, I think finished, I don't know the number exactly, but Barcelona's women won their league with a plus like 120 or 130 goal differential. (laughs) The disparity in the women's league is, is much greater than the men's and, and then in the finals, Barca 
laid the smack down on Chelsea, but I'm actually glad that you kind of, you brought up the women's league because I was thinking about the other day, there's, there's 12 teams in the women's English premier league, the super league, right? Isn't that what it's called? The uh, League. yeah. Women's super league is what it's called. Yep. So <laughs> if you, let's say you're, I don't know, pick, pick a, pick a team that doesn't have a women's team. You're, you're a fan of Liverpool. Yeah. Liverpool. You're a Liverpool fan. And you want to see like, the there's a lot of con. I know we've barely, we've not talked about women at all. There's a huge, there's a ton of controversy around the women premier league and all that, but keep going, Chris. Sorry. So what do you do if you're a Liverpool supporter and you want to also support women's soccer, do you go to a different league or do you bite the bullet and be like, all right, I'm cheering for, arsenal's women team from now on and your dual fandom is now on display well i think you just like a lot of them are in lower leagues so like wolves wolves women i forget if they're there's a ton of controversy around that as well because wolves women were i think leading i think they're they might be league one like they might be like the third tier i forget but they were leading during COVID and they canceled the season and canceled all promotion relegation. So there's a huge controversy that wolves were playing wolves. Women were playing great and they weren't able to get promoted up into the next league. So I would imagine you just support your, your club. Um, and that, that was actually going to be one of my um, Abramovich like statements I was going to make is he went to the clubhouse after Chelsea women lost and just said, like, don't worry, we got you. Like, because they got spanked, and it was a pretty demoralizing loss for them. But he's in the clubhouse talking to the women, saying, "We're going to keep investing money. We want Chelsea women to be top of the world." So, I think a lot of kudos to to him as as one of the billionaire owners who it, um, it really does sound like uh, is a fan of the club. But so let, let me ask you guys this too transitioning to American soccer. I see a lot about the NWSL. Um, and part of that is because uh, I, I know Sarah Spain, ESPN Sarah Spain, and she's Name part, she's part, she's part owner of the Chicago um, team. And so her Twitter is constantly filled with with those things. So I see a ton about the NWSL wondering if you guys also see a ton of it and it's really picking up steam or is it just my feed? That's always being uh, saturated with it. No, I see a lot. I think, I mean, I think as Americans, we of all nations should appreciate the women's women's soccer. We have the greatest like national team in the world. And really like, if you, if you, the, the Super League, I think, is is definitely on the come up. They play at different times a year. So that's why we saw some of our women go and play um, at City and I think Chelsea this year. We had Americans playing in the Super League because they could play there and then come back here and play the NWSL season. So, um, but I think, I mean, in some ways probably the quality comparatively of the NWSL is better than the MSL or MLS. And so, um, yeah. And I think what they've done in, in like 
similar to the WNBA where they've, some of the ownership groups are the same. So like Portland Timbers have the Portland Thorns or Thorns FC where they have like a riff or a, a, a sideways naming element to the, the teams, I think is super smart to create the cohesion among those clubs. Yeah. It's also kind of been fun because I know a lot of the support is, is coming from some of the NFL players who are either dating or married to a lot of these NWSL stars. And so it's fun to see like, you know, Zach Ertz and JJ Watt, like really put it on full display, like no shame. Like I watch it. I love it. I root for it. And so hopefully it continues to pick up steam. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, let's look at the lock it in review. Um, Man, let's just move on. <laughs> um, I, I picked Leicester over Manchester United. Uh, that was correct. I also picked West Ham over Brighton. That was incorrect. That takes me to 23 and 15. This was the week Chris uh, got his makeup game in, uh, but that was not good for him. He had Chelsea over Arsenal, which was incorrect. He also had Villa over Crystal Palace, which was incorrect. He did, however, get leads over Burnley. That puts him at 21 and 16, a game back of me heading into the final two match weeks. And Kyle, with a rough week, picked Chelsea over Arsenal as well and Fulham over Southampton, both of those being misses. He needs to get both of his picks right to finish at 500. Kyle, what are those picks? <laughs> Who are you banking on to get yourself at 20 and 20 to finish the season? <laughs> I'm banking on Brighton losing. <laughs> Brighton losing. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So that gives you all you need to know if you check the schedule. But uh, to fill in the blanks here, City over Brighton and Arsenal over Brighton. Please get me back to 500. Need some respectability. Hey, for being a neophyte of the neophytes, to go almost 500 on the season when we're not giving points for draws, kudos, Kyle. That's that's really good. I'm like, I'm four games above you, and Nate's five games above you. Like, you did good. I'll Kyle. take it. Fulham, Fulham got me an early lead. I, I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we had to ban you from taking them by making. That's right. <laughs> I've got some new ideas for next year too. So, good, good. All right, well. I will jump in because I'm, I, I didn't see what Kyle did, but I did the same thing, except I chose Southampton to be the losers this week. So I've got Leeds over Southampton and West Ham over Southampton. Nice. Um, I did something similar, except I took winners. I just, I feel like as much as I want Liverpool to finish in a Europa spot, I feel like they're going to pull it off. They'll finish top four after all the tumultuous nature of this season with so much excitement. I think we're going to end up seeing kind of the standard teams in the top six, seven positions. And so I am taking Liverpool over Burnley and Liverpool over Crystal Palace to finish off the year. Nice. Hey, real quick. We didn't talk about this earlier. Um, one, I can't believe Chelsea lost to Arsenal this week, but we didn't even touch on the craziest maybe goal of the year with Jorginho passing back into his own goal while Kepa's outside the goal. He has to run back and dive just to swat it away, but it goes right to an Arsenal player who buries it. Like, 
easily the worst goal of the season as far as like your team giving it up. And for them to lose that game one nil, which has now opened the door for Liverpool to come back in and possibly jump them. I mean, granted, uh, there's, you know, there's a little bit of work to do, um, but we didn't touch on that goal. And it was the craziest goal of the year. And I would just die if that ends up costing them a spot in the top four. Yeah, that goalies really would be the difference makers. Allison's head and Keppa, like everyone was dogging Jorginho on that, which I think is like certainly he played a role in it. But I don't know what in the hell Keppa's doing standing that far outside of. What are you talking about? That's what you're supposed to do when your player has the ball to pass you to. You don't pass it back into your own goal ever, dude. But he's nowhere near it, and there's there's Arsenal players all around the pitch. Like it's not like it's just Chelsea guys back there. So Keppa's calling for the ball on the outside, and Jorginho kicks it not only to the opposite side, but he puts spin on it, so it's it's <laughs> bending that way too. It was, it was a cluster. Was okay, a cluster. like I'll give you if you want to give Keppa a little bit of crap for that. Uh, okay, I'll give him a little bit of crap for that. Uh, but that is a, like a million percent Jorginho's fault. Like, there's no way around that. Well, that's not 100%, but I, I think there's a bit more. Um, okay, matches of the week. We have huge one tomorrow, the Chelsea-Lester match. Um, top four aspirations ride on that. Um, and then in the weekend, we have the football neophyte derby. Always exciting for us to have Wolves, Manchester United, um, but lots of other matches with significant, basically any team with aspirations, whether it's West Ham or uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester, Everton as a far outside uh, chance uh, Tottenham. There's a lot, a lot to be played for this weekend and this week and this weekend. So it'll be exciting to see all that. And then capping it all off, Kyle will be making his decision. Yes, yeah. sir. Yeah. Okay. And I know we go over this every week, but what is it? Does it matter if Chelsea, Chelsea or City is going to win the Champions League? So. Do they get the extra spot or does the extra spot go to Europa? So United has to win Europa for the Premier League to get the extra spot in Europa. Um, I think at this point, um, the Europa spots are, are, are the seven spots already opened for Europa because the teams that are playing in the finals are already like in those top six positions. So it only opens up to that seventh spot. If someone's already like your FA cup winner, your FA cup winner and your Carabao cup winner are um, if they're already locked into position. So since you have city and Leicester, they're already in either champions league or Europa, that seventh spot should open up to um to be in like the preliminary rounds of Europa. So they've got a long road. Like they'll start in August. This is what happened to wolves a few years ago. Yeah. You lose basically your, you basically don't play any preseason matches. All your preseason matches are these preliminary rounds against 
really, really poor random European squads. So, so West Ham, potentially Everton, even Arsenal at a really outside um, shot at, at getting that. And then there's this new like Confederation Cup or some other like third tier Europa thing that That's I don't know. I don't know who gets that seventh or eighth or ninth. I, I don't know. It's very, it's very odd, but. All right. All right, gentlemen. There we have it. Kyle. We're Where almost there, go, buddy. Big week. Big week. Yeah, buddy. All right. We'll see. I'm, you price, checking, I'm price checking man U hats on Amazon right now. Just in I case. Makes me you sick. But... Official merchandise on adidas.com. There you go. We will see you guys live and in person on Sunday. And until then, Blazers out. Blazers out.